Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zorel. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to talk about Panic in the Sky from Justice League Unlimited with our special guest, Michael Bailey. Michael is the co-host of From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. He's a staff writer and co-host of Radio KAL Live over at the Superman homepage, and he has a blog called The Fortress of Baileytude. Welcome back to Supergirl Radio, Michael. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back. It seems like it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just hop right into our discussion. Justice League Unlimited. Um, we're talking about Panic in the Sky, which is the 11th episode of the second season. Uh, of the show. And it originally aired on July 9th, 2005. Really kind of intense episode with, you know, huge battle and like lots going on. Um, And with all of this stuff going on, there's like a huge mistrust in, in the uh, DC universe at this point in the, in the show um, of the justice league and of superheroes. And um, we've got a lot of people trying to capitalize on that. And in the midst of all this hubbub, uh, the Justice League, in order to um, earn some trust back, decide to turn themselves in. And they leave Supergirl kind of holding down the watchtower while they turn themselves in. Uh, What do you think about that decision by Superman and the rest of the founding members? We'll start with Michael. Well, it was it was well. The founding member is sans Batman because Batman was having none of it. <laughs> right. He uh, was like, nope. He was like, this is the dumbest idea ever. I, I like that Batman can pull the I'm not even a full-time member card whenever he really <laughs> wants to on this show. No, I mean, it, it was a dramatic moment because, you know, th- this is the culmination of a lot of bad decisions on the part of Superman and the Justice League in general. Uh, it's playing off of the uh, the Justice Lords episode from season two, and then everything kind of leading up to this moment where the uh, you know th- their giant space cannon obliterates a section of this town, and it looks like they're they're trying to attack Cadmus when they're really not. So I, I like the fact that they you know, take it upon themselves. Okay, we're going to turn ourselves in. That'll show that we're willing to work with them on this. Leaving Supergirl in charge dramatically made sense, especially who attacks, who is leading the attack on the Watchtower eventually. But I like that, you know, if if something's going down, he kind of leaves Supergirl in charge, but Steel is left in charge as well. So it's like the Superman people are are the ones left uh, to, to make the decisions. I really like the idea that Supergirl and Steel kind of were holding down the fort, as it were, just because um, Steel is one of those characters that I kind of got to know through uh, a little bit of the comics. And so it, it's fun, to, I ha- but I haven't seen him interact with Supergirl much. And I don't know if he does much in the comics. You'll have to correct me on that, Michael. But uh, I, I enjoyed seeing their interaction together, especially because they, they team up. And I know we're going to talk about the big fight at the end, but it's kind of fun because they kind of help each other out in this episode, uh, not only with the Watchtower, but in a f- physical altercation with Galatea. So I really enjoyed their interactions. Yeah, I really love that, uh, that Supergirl uh, was kind of... Uh, left in charge of stuff because as the situation progresses and as they're being attacked, 
we get to really see a a uh, Supergirl with a strong leadership capacity in this episode. You know, she's running around checking on everybody. She kind of knows the drill and 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 is and proves herself to be, you know, a really competent member of the league. And I liked seeing that from her this time. Like she was she was kind of being a general in this in this uh, instance, and it was really really great to watch. To uh, to answer your question, Steel and Supergirl in the comics had a little bit to do with each other. They they were really pushing, especially towards the end of the 90s, this idea of Team Superman that every once in a while you would call in Superboy, Supergirl, and Steel. Uh, the most significant thing that they had was this great issue of Supergirl where Supergirl is actually put in the position to defend a white supremacist. Oh, uh, wow. Because it's a free speech issue. Hmm. And her and Steel kind of come to blows over the whole thing. Uh, it's one of the better issues Peter David That's wrote. That's really in interesting. That <laughs> no, it's 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 fantastic. It's it's like one of those things where it it, it talks about a real world issue, uh, and ha- and and does it in a very mature, uh, like realistic mature, not what some comics think of as mature these days, but um, a mature and level headed, and kind of putting it out there that even if you don't agree with somebody, they have a right to say it, and it has this ending that just makes you just kind of laugh because it shows that, you know, just because you're offended by this and you want this person to speak doesn't mean that that person doesn't have his detractors. So, uh, but it's, uh, I, I really recommend it. I wish I had the, the, epi- the issue number at, on uh, handy, uh, but it's towards the middle of the run. But yeah, she, it's such a different dynamic though, because the, the Supergirl in the comics at that time was, kind of a you can't do an elevator pitch of her backstory you know it's not like you know she's the cousin of superman and uh survived the explosion of krypton but eventually had to be sent to earth or however they're doing it now it's she was this protoplasm from another dimension (laughs) and then she merges with this earth angel and when you read it it all makes sense but when you try to explain it to somebody who doesn't know what you're talking about, you sound crazy. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> that's awesome. And thanks for answering that question because that's why I love having you on Supergirl Radios because you just dropped this like n- these knowledge bombs and <laughs> made me, made me want to go look things up. And Teresa, I liked your point about how Supergirl was kind of in a leadership position and how she was kind of interacting with other members of the League because that brought to mind the little moment in the episode where like crap is going down in the watchtower. And I, I love the moment where she's in the hallway kind of checking up on people and she runs into little Adam. Like he's, he's kind of shrunken down and she picks him up and she's like, Ray, you know, are you okay? So I love this yeah. little, I love this little moments where she gets to kind of be the person who's sort of in charge, but is also having to kind of look after other people and I, I love that she was even worried about Superman, that, you know, here he is, you know, the most powerful being in the world, and she's worried about him. Yeah. And, and Steel is the, the one who kind of has to take it upon himself to try to encourage her and lift her spirits about that. So I did like Supergirl's interactions with everybody in the League who were still left on the Watchtower. Yeah, I'd say that was one of my favorite moments was when she picks up Ray Palmer and she's like, <laughs> Ray! Yeah, Poor little she's- Ray! Did she say Ray? Because at first I thought she said Scott. 
I think she says Ray. She said Ray. Okay, yeah. I'd have to go back because I'm wondering if that was a confusion because Scott Lang is Ant-Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe I just misheard it or whatever when I was watching it today because I actually binge-watched like the the four episodes surrounding this one just because I couldn't help myself. So, but uh, <laughs> but no, that was a great moment that, you know, I, I felt so bad for him. Galatea is, is, is a menace in this episode. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better way to describe her. Uh, That's and, a great and just, way to describe her, actually. <laughs> That's and just to see what... Her. What she does to everybody is just uh, is kind of horrifying, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So I, I don't mean to jump the gun on that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's get right back right into her because she, um, you know, we actually we just spoke about her recently, um, and so now she's back, and this time she's badder than ever. <laughs> um, but she, uh, I I want to talk about the opening scene with um, with her and Dr. Hamilton and, and their relationship. Cause that really struck me. I, I was, and I kind of tied that moment where she, she's giving, you know, she's being given her orders by Dr. Hamilton and then uh, she's called in by Amanda Waller. And then later on you have Supergirl kind of playing on the fact that she's insecure about being a person mm-hmm. because she's a clone. So yeah, I mean what, uh, you know, either Rebecca or Michael, let's talk about that. And Galatea's. uh, relationship with Dr. Hamilton and her feelings. It was really sweet almost. You know, she he's setting her up and right there at the end she turns around and calls him dad and and, and hugs him. And he doesn't know how to handle this. I don't know if, if, <laughs> if Dr. Hamilton just has, you know, boundary issues or if he does he doesn't he doesn't really express his emotions or if he doesn't really see her as his daughter and he's kind of taken aback that she sees him in this capacity. Almost like it's almost like she knows she's going to die. Yeah. With the way she says goodbye. Uh and and and, and maybe that wasn't her intention, but maybe it was just, you know, that that's her way of, of trying to trying to say goodbye in case she doesn't. It, it it humanized her and made what Supergirl says to her later have a little bit more impact to it. Yeah, she definitely had a, an emotional moment with him, and it, it was a, a good bit of foreshadowing for her to say goodbye to him. And what's interesting about that scene in terms of Galatea for me is that there is that contrast where she has this emotional moment with her her daddy, but then she's also like really super cocky about her abilities. What struck me about that scene is like she's she's talking about Supergirl, and she's like. I'm better than she ever was. And she's yeah. like rubbing it in about her abilities and how she doesn't even think kryptonite can hurt her anymore. And I was like, wow, something is going to happen to her because <laughs> she is. Anyone who gets that full of themselves, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're due for being taken down a couple of pegs. Yeah. What does it say? Uh, what is it? They say like the pride comes before a fall or something like, yeah. like that. So yeah, she definitely had the, these two different aspects of her character that she was really cocky and sure of herself, but at the same time, she was sort of naive and kind of insecure. So that was, that was a good scene just for her in that, that one aspect. And I, I do love the line where she, uh, she says, uh, boredom is my kryptonite, <laughs> when he's trying to get that, that like communication device in her head. <laughs> yeah. That was really great and really snarky, and I kind of love it. Yeah, because she's um, like, well, uh, kryptonite is my kryptonite, too. Kryptonite, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, basically, I'm bored. 
and I'm always fascinated by by stories like this in sci-fi in general um, or in any kind of genre stuff where you have either a clone or an AI um, talking about how or, you know, examining how human they are or how many, you know, what their rights are, what their rights would be. And I actually thought was was I mean, obviously, they're in a fight, you know, Supergirl has no, you know, great feeling for Galatea at all. But I also was kind of surprised that she went there. Um, I mean, in part it was self-defense, but like, you know, it's it's interesting that she that she did harp on the fact that, you know, Galatea wasn't human because it seems like the kind of thing where in another situation, like if there were a clone that were suffering, if there were a clone that were, you know, whatever, going through something where she had to help them and save them, she would fight for that individual as as an individual and as a person. I mean, I don't know. I could be totally wrong, and maybe Supergirl really just does see her as a an, an it rather than a the she. I think it was more psychological warfare at that point. Galatea has her so outclassed fighting-wise. I don't know if she's yeah. necessarily more powerful than her at this point, but she definitely had the advantage in training and in just ruthlessness in this episode. I mean, let, let's let's skip back a second to her essentially trying to kill Steel. I mean, she did not hold back. No. And when we see him <laughs> no, finally, his armor's in tatters, and she just throws him to the ground. And I'm like, what is protecting him at this point? Yeah. You know, how is he... And, and he tries to get his get back, but she, you know, slams him down again. So, obviously... She's going, you know, she's out for blood. And the only way Supergirl could could even try to get a chink in that armor is to, to kind of peck away at her emotionally. And hitting on those things that she always, already knows is kind of a hang-up for Galatea. And that gave her the, you know, the distraction to hit her with the, uh, the mighty tube of electricity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was just... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, which uh, the fact that she does do that um, kind of shows just how how human she knows Galatea is because she's playing on the insecurities. She's playing on the fears and all of that stuff that is there. But, yeah, let's talk about the uh, <laughs> the huge uh, wire that she electrocutes her with. Yeah, I was uh, I was sort of shocked that and that's not a pun. Um, I, w- I was shocked that she used that big thing of electricity on Galatea, but I, I guess that's the only thing she could do. And I like Michael's point about how Galatea's advantage was her ruthlessness. I think that's a great way to put that because Supergirl is not a character who would be like that. And so she needed something to be able to stop Galatea because Galatea was taken on both Supergirl and Steel and doing a pretty good job of it. So right. that that was kind of the only way to do it. And I guess you can kind of justify it with a, you know, a cartoon aimed at kids that like Galatea is okay. Like we see her kind of flinching. She's like twitching. Yeah, twitching yeah. at the end. So I don't know that she dies, but um, it definitely is enough to take her out. What's funny about the situation is that it sort of knocks out some of the power in the watchtower. Like they spend all this time oh, trying to. Yeah. They spend all this time trying to get the watchtower back up online, and then the power goes back out again. <laughs> so I actually, oh yeah, they're like yay, and then it goes out again. They're like oh, oh. yeah. So I thought I thought that was a good bit of comedy there to kind of 
balance out the very seriousness that was going on with with Galatea. The other thing about Galatea, whether or not she, you know, died or didn't die, is that, I mean, in the the last time we saw her and we talked about her, she was also beat up pretty bad. And, uh, you know, she goes back to to Star Labs and, you know, they, you know, are able to kind of put Humpty Dumpty back together again, so to speak. <laughs> so, like, uh, maybe that's, that is the advantage of being a clone is that, you know, it takes a lot, you know, even, even though, you know, she's electrocuted by all of the electricity in the Watchtower, she's still kind of twitching. She's, you know, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I feel like, and, and I haven't seen the rest of the series, so I don't know if she comes back or not. I mean, at I this think, point. I think this is her last episode. Yeah. Okay. So it is, you know, whether or not she's actually dead, the fact is she is out of commission, not coming back. Yeah. She's no, no longer a threat. Yeah. She's no longer a threat. And what I thought was really interesting is that, of course, Amanda Waller is kind of all up in this business. She's she's the one who who is sending Galatea up into the Watchtower to cause all this chaos. But what's interesting to me about Galatea in this episode is that right before she is electrocuted, she gets these orders from Amanda Waller to stop her mission, and she doesn't do it. So yeah. I think that's one of the aspects before Galatea gets taken out that I was like... I was like, whoa, she is, she's on a mission to just rough stuff up, and she's not even going to carry out her mission with this this group of the Ultimen, which, Michael, I, I'm kind of glad you're here to talk with us about this episode because I wonder, wanted to know your thoughts about the Ultimen. Do you have any good insights or knowledge about uh, those I love the ult- I love the Ultimen because one was in an episode that focused on Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. And the first line of Super Friends back in 1973 focused on (laughs) Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. If you look at those characters, they are all takeoffs on Samurai, Apache Chief, Xan and Jaina, and Black Vulcan. Mm. And that was very much on purpose. And they're all clones. Okay, so who who is the flying cowboy person? flying there, there was one one of them that had a mask on that was like shooting guns. Oh no no no, that's vigilante. Yeah, He's a part vigilante. Of the oh okay. He's... I was like, wait a minute, who is that? Because I don't. Yeah, I'm not. Uh... <laughs> I was like, why is there a flying cowboy? I think vigilante is actually voiced by Nathan Fillion. Y- yes, it's voiced oh, by Nathan yes. Fillion. Oh yes, yeah. And his uh, his bromance with the Shining Knight. Yes. Is, uh, is, is something that happens on the show. No, the, yeah. the Ultimen, I am assuming, is kind of a take on the Ultimates from Marvel. Maybe a little poke at that. But really, it was the Justice League people having a little bit of fun with, uh, not at the expense of the Super Friends, but kind of playing off of that. So then you have them as what they were intended to be, which was weapons. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the episode that they're introduced in, they're like, boy band uh esque superheroes they're young and they've they've got they they like are on the covers of magazines and all this kind of stuff and it just turns out they're not real they're genetically created beings with fake memories and fake backstories 
And this is just them used as pure weapons. And it was kind of interesting to see them back. What I love about that, they're them coming to the watchtower though, is that they, they give it that moment of all of the heroes up in the watchtower, watching the missiles coming at them. Mm. Like, you know, their weapon was misused. The, a lot of them are on earth right now trying to help people. Some people don't want their help. And, and, and I'm sorry, look, if, if your house is falling apart, you're not safer in the house than, than going with them. I don't care how much you mistrust them. But so all the heroes on the Watchtower are just trying to Humpty Dumpty the Watchtower again. And suddenly they're under attack. And if you're a DC person, it's, it's just a smorgasbord of, of characters just, you know, just flying all over the place. Stargirl and Stripe and... Crimson Fox and uh, the Vigilante and watching uh, Adam Smasher fighting the, the, the Apache Chief guy yeah. And, yeah. and them going at it. And, and my, my favorite moment of that fight was when three of them, I forget which three, the guy grows and they all just jump on him. Like they're not intimidated at all. <laughs> and they just take him to the ground. Heroes. Yeah, no, it was just, it was great because, you know, the focus of this is obviously Supergirl on the Watchtower because Galatea is going after her. Uh, Galatea is there to kill everybody, but really she's there to kill Supergirl. And we know that when she cuts off communication with Amanda Waller. But right. to see all the other heroes kind of having their moments, and, and I got to agree, the moment where the power comes back on and everyone's like, yay! <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I like your insight into the Ultimen because that ties so well into Galatea because they are like both sets of them are these weapons who are kind of used in uh, in tandem to attack the Watchtower. So I, I like the idea that they're sort of these that maybe they're kind of knockoffs of the real things that are all used as weapons. So I think, I think that's a, a very good way to, to look at that in this episode. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there's all kinds of little references. I mean, the, the, the name panic in the sky uh, comes not only from an episode of the George Reeves Superman series uh, where a, a meteor was going to hit the earth and Superman goes up to take care of it and gets amnesia uh, and and has to find his memories again before it's it's one of the most beloved episodes of that. But it was also a huge crossover in the Superman books in early 1992, where the bad guy was Brainiac. Mm. So it's, just like in this episode, mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when this episode ended, I was like cliffhanger. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, makes like, you want to no, keep watching. It's like, this is supposed to make me, you know, this is supposed to wrap things up very neatly in a half an hour. That's the kind of show this is, except it's not. And then Lex Luthor turns into Brainiac. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> what? Which ties into an episode of Superman the Animated Series. Mm. So, it, it and I'll never forget the, the night that the next episode uh, premiered, Divided We Fall. Uh, it was a set. It, usually, Justice League was on Saturday night, and I had to put up with like the last five minutes of Bobo Bobo Bo, or whatever that show was called <laughs> uh, on Cartoon Network, and it just drove. I will never watch the show simply because I had to suffer through five minutes of nonsensical animation to wait for Justice League. <laughs> but right after that episode aired, they aired the episode of Superman where everything happened, 
So it was this, this nice little bit of serendipity or uh, planning in, in the scheduling. You know, and, and this was supposed to be the wrap-up for Justice League Unlimited. They didn't know they were going to get another season. So you know, ah. after, the, after the big fight at, in the next episode, they had Epilogue, which wraps up the entire Bruce Timm animated universe. Uh, in fact, the very last shot of Epilogue mirrors the very first shot of the first produced episode of Batman the Animated Series. So oh, it's, wow. It, yeah, and, and it's, it's a great episode, too. I mean, I cannot stress enough how much people who have never seen this entire series need to sit down and watch <laughs> this entire series. I really need to do that. The first season is good. It, it's a lot of two-parters, which are kind of self-contained stories. And then things open up a little in the second season. This is where it gets to be more of a mythology type show where there is a storyline kind of running under the current and then it all pays off here. So, uh, yeah, I, I, this is one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Now I kind of want to go back. Like I've watched <laughs> JLU several times, but now I kind of want to go back from the beginning because a lot of times I'll just have my favorite episodes that I'll watch here and there. But now, now that you mentioned that Batman the Animated Series reference, I'm like, dang, I'm going to have to go back and watch this whole thing. Superman the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series, JL, JLU. <laughs> like, I need, to, I need to sit down and uh, do some serious rewatching. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah no, and I need to do some serious first-time watching. <laughs> um, in order, the way it was meant to be experienced. Yes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, that uh, that fight scene was totally an awesome, like, where's Waldo of like, you know, <laughs> what cameos can we see in this episode? Oh, there's there he is. There she is. I have to say, though, it was so like uh, having watched this. Actually, I think the first I'd seen this is one of the few episodes I'd seen before. And I think I watched it with uh, a kid I was babysitting years ago. Um, but like watching it this time, I kind of I was like, wow, this fight scene is going on a long time. Like. <laughs> They they basically like most of the episode was devoted to this fight, and I was kind of like they really just wanted to have a good time and and get all these people in here, and 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 enjoy like the the team ups and the 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 you know so and so versus so and so in in as quick a time as possible, which you know ain't nothing wrong with that. But I was like this is clearly they did this on purpose, like they planned it so they could have this really long fight scene in the middle and just shove everybody in there. Yeah, and they, from what I can remember, they they would do that quite a bit on Justice League Unlimited where, like, you would have something going on and then you would get all of these characters that you're like, who is that? Who is that? What is happening here? Like, I'm all the time, like, having to, like, really study who is in the scene to try to figure out who they are because it's a good educational program to learn about DC characters for sure. Well, the fun part is in the final episode, uh, where there's basically a curtain call and all of the characters come running towards the screen, they're placed in a very specific order. All the JSA characters are together. Uh-huh. All the Justice League Detroit characters are together. All the Justice League Europe and Bwahaha League characters are just, they're all placed together very specifically. So it's uh, uh-huh. the love that was put into this show and the everything that it did for the DC universe for a new audience. I mean, this is 
I, I hear a lot now on podcasts of, of hearing hosts say, well, my first experience with such and such character was watching them on Justice League and how important this show was and how unfortunate it was that Cartoon Network really didn't support it as much as it did. It, it kept delaying episodes and it would only order a certain at a time. And then, you know, just it, it just got really annoying to the point where I was just glad when it was released on DVD because now I can just sit and, and watch the whole thing and then get really sad and, and then go back and start again. Uh, like a snake eating <laughs> its own tail almost. Uh-huh. Well, and you know it's supposed to come out on Blu-ray now. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I already have it on DVD, and it's on Netflix, but I kind of want it on Blu-ray now. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was going to say, seasons one and two are on Netflix, for those of you out there who, uh, who haven't watched it or want to re-watch it uh, in an easy fashion. Seasons one and two are on Netflix. Season three, I'm going to have to hunt down, uh, and maybe I'll get one of those on Blu-ray. But yeah, I think that about wraps it up, unless anybody has any final thoughts on the episode. Uh, oh, actually, I did want to men- just shout out the one of the best lines in the episode that came from The Flash, which is, of course, you know, when they ask where Batman is, he's like, you know, <laughs> the Batmobile lost a wheel and the Joker ran away. Oh, I think, I, I think that's what happened. That's yeah. what I heard. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, what that's, heard. that's what I heard. Yeah, that was a good one. But yeah, anybody else? Final thoughts on, uh, on the episode? I, I really like this episode. I'm I'm always a big sucker for stories with Supergirl where she has someone who's sort of a reflection of who she is, like Bizarro Girl and that mm-hmm. that dark Supergirl that we read about um, early on and in our comic reading. Those those kinds of sc- scenarios are really fun for me because I, I like S- Supergirl being challenged emotionally. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's fun to see her fighting and, you know, punching people and, and you get a lot of that in this episode. But I really like the moments where she is actually having to face herself in a way. And this was a this was a really, really good one for both of those uh, ideals of the character and both of those, you know, that contrast. So uh, I highly recommend this episode. I also think this episode puts a lie to the idea that characters like Supergirl and Superman are hard to write and hard to deal with because they're so powerful. I mean, yeah. you deal with them on an emotional level. You you, you create – it's a stupid thing anyways. It's like I, I can't deal with this. I'm a writer and I create things at a whole cloth, but I can't come up with a new character that's powerful. I mean it's just it just makes no sense to me. But at the same time, you know, Supergirl – won this fight at the very end with kind of a sucker punch. I mean, yeah. if we're really going to be honest about it, she got beaten down. I mean, she got a couple shots in, but, you know, it was it was Galatea's fight until the very end. Oh, yeah. And the, the reason why that worked is because, one, she ends up winning, but, two, she wins on all levels, not just physically, but she wins... She wins the argument between yeah. the two of them. And it was a nice, it's a nice uh, finish to that storyline that was dropped the, the previous season. So it, it's just, it's such a great lead up to a season finale. And it had such, the, 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 the cliffhanger ending of, of Brainiac Luther and hearing Corey Burton's voice and realizing that, oh, this, 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 this just got a lot worse. <laughs> uh, it's just th- there's nothing wrong with this episode. Nothing. 
Yeah, no, it was really well done. And it's interesting, as you were talking about um, uh, Supergirl kind of winning with a sucker punch, um, yeah, because it, it is Galatea's fight most of the time. And I, uh, to go back to your point, Rebecca, of uh, Supergirl kind of doing battle with herself, in a sense, mm-hmm. like, she almost had to find, in order to beat a character that's this ruthless, she had to find the ruthlessness within herself, too. True. Because um, you can't, like, you know, as, as far as... Up until that point, she had been, you know, kind of trying to stop her the way she would normally try to stop anyone. And then, you know, nothing's going to stop her but death or something very close to it because that's how she's wired. And so Supergirl has to do something huge uh, and something, you know, kind of borderline and ruthless because, you know, none of her other usual methods would, would do. But it's interesting, too, uh, watching her with Galatea or with uh, Bizarro Girl and how no matter how bad her, her doppelgangers are, um, they always are in some way sympathetic. And I think that's a lot to do with, you know, Kara herself because they're always some kind of version of her. And so even at their most violent or their most, you know, uh, ruthless or whatever, there's always that underlying Kara in there somewhere that you're rooting for, which I also think is really interesting because you're, you're always kind of watching Supergirl, even if it's the, the through the looking glass version of her, you know, and I, I like that a lot. That's a great point. And big shout out to Nicole Tom for being able to channel her, her inner villainous in, yes. in in these episodes with Galatea because you, you get her as Supergirl, but you also get her as Galatea, and, and you can really tell a difference between the two characters, even though it's done by the same voice actress. So uh, I was really impressed with how she was able to have those two sides of her be very distinct. Yeah, I didn't realize it was the same person doing the voice until after the fact. Oh, yeah. um, when I, I was like looking at IMDb, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, so definitely props to Nicole Tom because, uh, yeah, two totally different characters um, that were great on screen together. So thank you for that. Well, that wraps up our discussion on uh, Justice League Unlimited's Panic in the Sky. Thank you again so much, Michael, for joining us. Uh, like Rebecca said, we love having you here because of all the knowledge you can drop. Where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, views from the longbox.com, which is the home of my, uh, my regular podcast views from the long box, where I talk about just about whatever comic book thing is popping into my head at the moment. Uh, fortress of Bailey is my Superman blog because, uh, Superman needed a blog. Apparently, uh, you know, it's, it's not like there's like 15 sites out there dedicated to the guy. Uh, but that's where I talk about my love of Superman. And it's also the second home to from crisis to crisis a Superman podcast uh, where Jeffrey Taylor and I are going through the post-crisis adventures of Superman one half month at a time. And just remember, folks, every Monday night, or just about every Monday night, at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, you can tune in to Radio KAL Live and listen to Steve Eunice, who is the webmaster of the Superman homepage, and I talk about the latest in the world of uh, Superman uh, it's movies, it's comics, uh, we have guests. I, I try to call in when I can because it's, uh, it's pretty fun. And you guys, you guys have such a, a great way of com- creating community with the, the chat room that goes on during that time and, and the people that call in. So I love what you guys do over Radio KAL Live. And uh, I love From Crisis to Crisis, the Superman podcast, because 
there's a lot of stuff I don't every every now and then when I think I know a lot about Superman I listen to that podcast and I'm like no I don't know anything about Superman so it's it's great to have that resource out there so that uh, I can learn things that I don't know which is always a good thing well I appreciate that well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write up a review. And we are part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, and the upcoming Legends of Tomorrow, subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. And as for me, you can find me as always at the Mary Sue, where I'm an assistant editor. That's themarysue.com. Uh, my blog is the Teresa Jacino Experience, which you can find at teresajacino.wordpress.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Teresa Jacino, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Teresa Jacino Experience. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, that's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And until next time, I'm still Teresa Jacino. And I'm still Rebecca Johnson. Remember that the Justice League makes the hard choices. They set the example. They do what's right, not what's easiest. And they always come out on top. Yeah.